Okay, thank you for joining us. I'm Pastor Brad Schollenberg. I'm going to give a recap of our Bible study from Sunday morning, which was on the book of Ecclesiastes, especially the last part of chapter 10 and the first part of chapter 11. And so, um, uh, fascinating book. And you got to kind of remember that when someone reaches a pinnacle of success in their career, we kind of expect them to write a book. This is true of politicians. This is true of athletes, business leaders. We want to know how their mind works. We want to know how they organize their life, how they overcome obstacles and adversity. And the result is a never-ending parade of leadership and management and self-help and biographical books. We want to gain some of their wisdom. Maybe we might get successful too. Who knows? Anyway, the trend is now, but 3,000 years ago, the most intelligent and successful and rich man in the world sat down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write his own memoirs. So this is nothing new under the sun. And that man, of course, was King Solomon, the teacher, the preacher. And the book is Ecclesiastes. And so in these chapters that we're going to look at, his style is kind of like that of Proverbs, which is also attributed to him. And Proverbs are these fortune cookie-like pithy statements that are equivalent to ancient posts on social media. They're brief, penetrating, insightful, and memorable. Each of them provides some very good advice. So the storyline of the Bible is the good news of the work of Jesus Christ for the salvation of all humanity and of our whole world. But along the way, the Bible also provides some good advice for God's people. And the reason for this is very simple, because God, God not only cares about your life in heaven, he also cares about your life on earth. Not only does he want you to have a great eternal life after you die, but he wants you to begin experiencing that life with the wisdom that he provides in this life before you die. So we're going to get some very interesting wisdom. Very interesting wisdom. And it's practical. It helps us make decisions in life that save us from harm and promote life and health for us. So this is good stuff. Wisdom is more about principles than methods and gets at the heart of matters okay, principles that we can apply to our life. For this reason, wisdom applies to the very things that tend to cause us the most pain. And you think about it, we have relationships and finances and family and leadership and work and money and intimacy and even our emotional life. So I'm going to put for you, put up on the screen for you, uh, this whole bit of, um, where is that there? Yes, yes. This whole bit of Ecclesiastes chapter chapter 10 and 11. We're going to go through each of these and we're going to see there's probably about 16 principles. So 
I hope you enjoy this. So here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, starting at verse 8. Okay, there you go. Okay, whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. What's the point? Think about it. What's the point he's trying to make? Consider the downside. In our culture, we have a similar statement. That might come back to bite you. That sounds like the snake. That might come back to bite you. The point is simple. Every activity comes with an inherent danger. So when we're making decisions, especially an important one, we have to consider the downside. What is the unintended negative consequence that could occur? How could this backfire? What have we missed? These are questions that leaders in the home or business or even the church need to consider. Great piece of wisdom. And verse 10, if the ax is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. So I know I've tried to use a chainsaw with a dull blade. What a waste of time. I've tried to fillet a fish with a dull blade. It's a dull filleting knife. What a mess I made. It's not sinful to use a dull blade. It's just foolish. And some people are just like that. They are doing a good thing, but in an unproductive way. So sharpen your axe. Sharpen your axe. A lot of people waste lots of time and energy only to get minimal results. How can you make your life more efficient is the question this verse is asking us. The answer needs to be very personal and practical. So let's ask some questions. Do you need to organize your home or your workspace or your calendar or your technology better? Do you need to spend time in the Bible and prayer? You probably do because it's full of wisdom. Do you need to get to sleep earlier at night so you can be rested and ready for the next day? Do you need to get new technology or tools that are more efficient? Man, this is very, very good stuff. Okay, verse 11. If a snake bites before it's charmed, there's no profit for the charmer. <laughs> Not a real popular career in our day and age is snake charming, but it was common in the ancient world, right? And the entire goal of a snake charmer was to get the snake to obey them. But sometimes before the snake charmer could tame the snake, the snake bit them and killed them. And the point is simple. You may have a difficult or even dangerous task before you, but unless you act quickly, it will be too late and you will be harmed or killed. So the point of this verse, act before it's too late. Some things in life are urgent. The key to know what is urgent and what is not urgent. So it's important not to allow those things that are not urgent to overtake those things that are urgent. Practically speaking, 
this requires us not just to have a long to-do list, but a priority list as well, to put first things first. Oh, so important. Verses 12 to 14, look at this. Words from a wise man's mouth are gracious, but a fool is consumed by his own lips. At the beginning, his words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness. And the fool multiplies words. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell him what will happen after him? Oh, what is the point? Watch your words carefully. Let me ask you this. Who is the most influential person in your life? You are. No one speaks to you more than you do. So that begs the question, what do you say to yourself? Are you giving yourself wise counsel? It is important to realize that we cannot always trust ourselves. You can talk yourself into most anything. You really can. Think about it. You can even make craziness sound plausible and promise a future no one knows. Often we have limited insight and are not the most objective, and we do not have the most objective place to view our own lives. So we need to not always trust ourselves, but instead maybe invite others in to give counsel to us. So who else do you seek counsel from? I mean, if you want to sin, you can find an expert with a degree anywhere to endorse it. So you need to specifically seek wise counsel. This also means emotional and rash, rash decisions are prone to folly. Verse 15, a fool's work wearies him. He does not know the way to town. He can't find his way back home. In other words, make a plan, make a plan. When it comes to life, a wise person has a destination and, a, and directions to get there. On the opposite side, a fool does not have a clear picture of where they are going or a plan of how to get there. This is the difference between a wise, a this is the difference between a wish and a goal. A goal has a plan with steps, but a wish is just a wish. It doesn't have a plan. Without direction or plans, we're like people out for a walk, not knowing where we are trying to go. Eventually, we waste a lot of time and energy making no progress. So do you have a clear picture of what you want for your life or a plan on how to get there? Great question. Verse 16. Woe to you, O land whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you, O land whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Oh, what a fascinating, fascinating plan. Okay. Fools are irresponsible. A foolish person starts the day with play. As a result, they are too distracted, drunk, hungover, and tied up with shenanigans to be very productive. So the point of this 
celebrate after the victory, celebrate after the game. Fools miss deadlines, are forgetful, disorganized, and cannot be depended on for things that matter. So their work is never done. In this way, a foolish person is like an athlete who celebrates so much before the game, they don't even make it onto the field. A wise person, on the other hand, is responsible. And a wise person starts their day with productivity. A wise person is not opposed to taking a day off, going out for a night of fun with friends or having a good time, no. But a wise person knows that those things are a reward and celebration after the work is done. In this way, a wise person is like an athlete who celebrates after the game is won. So ask yourself, are you prone to get the most important and hardest things out of the way first thing each day? Or do you procrastinate and do fun things rather than first things? Fascinating question. Verse 18, if a man is lazy, the rafters sag. If his hands are idle, the house leaks. If you've ever gone out looking for a house to buy, it can get discouraging quickly. So many residents are so poorly maintained that it's hard to believe the conditions some people live in and what they tolerate to be undone in their own dwelling. Any wise homeowner will tell you that home maintenance is critical, especially the roof. Even one small leak in a roof can destroy good part of the home. For this reason, you can tell a lot about a person by seeing their personal space. How do they keep their home? How do they keep their car? Or if they're going to school, their dorm room, etc. If it's not well kept, the problem might be laziness, where they are so busy wasting their time on unimportant things that they are risking everything. In other words, this verse is telling us, hey, get it done. Is your personal life in order? Is your physical environment in order? Are you someone who is lazy and letting important things go in your life? Verse 19, a feast is made for laughter and wine makes life merry, but money is the answer for everything. Well, that is an interesting verse. Better not take that the wrong way. And so what's this principle? Well, it's telling us to stack up some cash. Kind of important to have a rainy day fund, right? There's nothing wrong with going to parties and having a glass of wine. Jesus did this very thing. But even better is having extra cash. The wise person does all they can to have a rainy day fund. You know, when there's a need, a crisis, or opportunity arises, they can respond quickly. Are you someone who lives within your means and saves some cash for a rainy day? Think about it. It's a great Bible verse. Verse 20. Do not revile the king even in your thoughts. Or curse the rich in your bedroom, because a bird of the air may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. 
point, don't undermine authority. Okay? This verse echoes a statement we have in our own culture. A little birdie told me, whoa, this verse is about Twitter. How cool is that? Twitter was prophesied in the Old Testament. A little bird told me. Wow, boy, the Bible is relevant. The point is that those who are under authority are inevitably going to be frustrated with and ready to rant about those in authority. It happens all the time in our culture. This can be kids with their parents, wife with their husband or vice versa, an employee with their boss, a citizen with their president, really, or prime minister, really, or even a Christian with their pastor. What we say seems to often have a way of coming back to haunt us. Words eventually get back around to those who have made whom we have made fun of or criticized or ranted against which only hurts both us and them there's no winner in speaking ill of other people so who are you most prone to vent or leak or joke or rant about okay careful of gossip Okay, chapter 11, verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Interesting. Now, some translations will say we should cast uh, grain across the sea. Now, in that day, bread was more like a wafer cracker and would float for a while before it sank. So imagine for a moment. Someone sitting on the shore tossing crackers out to ducks and birds enjoying them. And you'll get this word picture. And it's really about being generous. The big idea is that people who are in need are well served by generous people who help them up when they are down. Also, you never know when there may come a day when you are down. And in return, some of them help you up. So. Who has been generous to you? Who do you need to be generous with? It's good because it might come back. You feed someone, they might have in the future an opportunity to feed you. Fascinating. Verse 2. Give portions to seven, yes to eight. For you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Again, it sounds a bit about generosity but it's really talking about having a financial life raft. We have a similar statement in our day. Do not put all your eggs in one basket, seven or eight, right? Diversify. And if you want to think of this as an investment, diversify your investments. A foolish person puts all of their financial security in one place. Whereas a wise person spreads their wealth and investments around. Why? Because if one thing fails and the others do not, we are financially hurting, but not financially dying. So how are you investing your wealth? 
have a financial plan. Great idea. Verse three, if clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls there, it will lie. Okay, so this might be that there are some things that are inevitable. Bad things just happen. I mean, there are things that are out of our control. Some of these things you can predict, such as seeing a rainstorm roll in. Some things you cannot predict, such as a tree suddenly falling unexpectedly in a forest. The point is that you have to have margin in your plan. I mean, this includes in your budget, your schedule, your energy. Got to have a little bit of margin. Bad things just happen in this fallen world, and we cannot always account for them. This is why every builder knows to put a percentage of margin in every project they bid out. For example, that's what they do. If you do not accept the inevitable fact that some bad things are coming our way, we are quickly overextended and frustrated. So there you go. Bad things just happen. You might need a margin. Next verse, verse four. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Hmm. Eventually, you gotta jump. The only sure thing is that there's no sure thing. If you are a person who is waiting for the perfect mate, you will remain single. If you are a person who is waiting for the perfect job, you'll remain unemployed. If you are a person waiting for the perfect timing, you will never act. Like a kid on a cliff peering down at the water below, at some point, you just need to jump off and see what happens. Verse 5. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Well, that is so true. And this principle, don't spiritualize everything. I mean, no one really understands what God is doing, so don't pretend that you do. When Paul asks the questions, who has known the mind of the Lord? He's not expecting any of us to raise our hand. Wisdom dictates that every day we make the best decisions we can with the information we have. We should do our homework and prepare for whatever is next as best we can. But the truth is we don't know what tomorrow holds or what God is doing. So, we need not pretend we do or spiritualize everything. Maybe something that happened was God's will, or maybe it was befuddling, awful mystery we do not yet understand. Life is very practical, and sometimes the best thing is to be wise and not pretend to be more spiritual than we really are. Verse 6. Sow your seed in the morning, 
and at evening let not your hands be idle for you do not know which will succeed whether this or that or whether both will do equally well you just don't know in other words keep busy while you're waiting okay keep busy while you're waiting this is a farming metaphor solomon says that we should plant a lot of seed to see what takes root and while we wait to see what takes root, we should keep ourselves busy. For the single guy, this means respectfully meeting women to see if one might make a good wife. For the unemployed woman, this means sending out a lot of resumes and seeing if one or more jobs become opportunities. For the investor, this means trying a few options and seeing which one yields the best return on investment. The worst thing is to wait for things to come together and just sit around idly. There is always something in life to be doing and working on. What things are out of your control and you are awaiting resolution on? How can you stay busy in the meantime? You know, the wisdom literature in general, you got Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs and Job and Psalms and James, the book of James, and this section in particular, it's like a conversation, isn't it? With a wise parent or grandparent who really loves you. God is a loving father, and when he talks to you about the practical stuff of life, it's his way of helping you flourish and have a good life and enjoy it and celebrate it. This is because God is a good, good father. And like every good father, he knows where his kids tend to get into trouble. And thus, these principles. He's always there to put a hand on your back, look you in the eye, and lovingly help you navigate the trials of life. So, I hope you enjoy this little look at the book of Ecclesiastes. God bless you. And, uh, yeah. We'll see you again.